Hello and welcome to Helpline in Focus. This is where we take the time to explore parenting topics in greater depth. I'm talking about deep dives into challenges like fussy eaters, non-sleepers and tantrum throwers. Each Thursday at 12pm Australian Eastern Standard Time, we'll invite one expert from Babyology's Parent School to join us on Facebook Live. You'll be able to ask your own questions either live or through the Facebook Helpline group. Just see the links below this video or in this episode of the podcast to find out where you go there. And the chat will then be podcasted the following Saturday. Today, we're talking about fussy eating with Dr. Jen Cohen, otherwise known as the fussy eating doctor. Jen is a dietitian and pediatric nutritionist and mum. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. Now, I have to start with this question. Have your kids ever been fussy eaters? (laughs) Yes, they definitely have. Um, Because as I like to say about fussy eating, it's a normal part of toddler development. Um, One of the people I work with, um, she's got an 18 month old and she's like, all of a sudden she's gone fussy. I'm like, welcome to normal toddler development. So yes, they definitely had fussy phases around the 18 months. In fact, I think my youngest was earlier. Um, And I also know five, they seem to be like all of a sudden go crazy. They are a bit older now. So they're um, seven and nine. And I've actually just noticed in the last couple of months, I'm like, oh, wow. They're much more um, adventurous with their eating. So I have been there. Oh, lovely. It's good to know they get better at it. Um, We'll start with some questions. This one's from Kylie in Sydney. She says, I would love, love, love for the whole family to sit down together for a meal. But as it stands, if my husband and I want to eat anything more adventurous than sausages and cut up cucumber, we're cooking one meal for the kids and one for us. How do I find meals that are exciting for us and also tolerable to the kids? Is it even possible? Ah, the yes. The question that we get quite often is how do we only cook one meal? Um, I think to unpack this, I think the most important part um, is the fact that Kylie does want to eat together as a family unit. And really one of the best things you can do, no matter how fussy your child is, is to try and sit down together and eat a meal together. Now, it might not be the same meal, um, and we'll get to that in a second, but just that act of sitting down and the parents, I guess, modeling eating is actually really, really important. And one of the steps that I sort of say is sort of step one. But what about for those kids who are really, really fussy and you don't want to be making two meals? The thing is, if you've got a fussy eater, and I'm sure we'll go into this a bit more um, throughout this next half hour, but if you've got a fussy eater, you can't then just always serve them, you know, the meals that you want to and expect them to eat. Um, So what we tend to say is when you want to do family meals is to serve considered, not catered meals. Now, I didn't come up with that great uh, title. It was um, (laughs) a dietitian from Melbourne who has a company called Boost. And she came up with that. And what it means is that you're serving your family and your child a combination of their liked and new foods. So what you could do is, is you may still have to at the beginning serve and cook two meals, but make sure maybe if you're cooking something that you want to eat, and you, uh, you know, serve that to your kids, but you also make sure there's something on the plate that you know they're going to eat. So maybe it's not the sausages every time, maybe it's the cucumber or the piece of bread. So it's about doing both because it's about by serving them new foods, they're being introduced to new, new foods, but they're also not under that stress if they're not going to get foods that they like. So always think about considered not catered meals. You could also do family uh, style meals where you put all the food in the middle of the table and kids can help themselves. 
So you could put the meal that you got, you and your husband want to eat. You could put a few things that you know your kids will eat and they can choose whether to eat it or not because we never, with any fussy eaters, no matter how bad their fussy eating is, never want them to feel like they're being forced to do anything they don't want to. But we want to keep exposing them to those new foods. So you put it in the middle of the table, you you know, and your husband, even if it's just one parent at home or a carer, you're modelling the behaviour. You're not asking them to take a bite. You're not even asking them to, you know, to, to taste it, but it's about that exposing them to new foods. And some and and because you're especially if you're serving it family style, it might might make you feel like you're only serving one kind of meal. But again, with any new foods, really do um, avoid sort of placing emphasis on the new food. Have it there and expose them to and model those good behaviors. This next question comes from Francesca in Melbourne. During our many lockdowns last year, I got into bad food habits with my two and a half year old. I just didn't have it in me to struggle at dinner time. So we settled into a very boring routine. I basically have three meals on rotation, chicken nuggets and veggies, spag bowl and eggs on toast. The problem is he's slowly starting to reject even the veggies in these dishes and now won't really try anything else for dinner. How can I expand his palate? Oh, yeah, um, actually, I acknowledge everyone who's listening in um, Melbourne today. Um, oh, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm in Sydney and you guys have really had it tough. So I guess thank you from all of those of us in Sydney who aren't in lockdown. But it really is tough. And I guess it's, it's more like understanding why your child is rejecting um, new foods. And there's this term called a food jag. I don't know why it's called that, but that's just a term that is used. And what it basically means is that sometimes when you're served the same foods over and over again, you actually kind of get sick of it. That happens in adults. I've had like been obsessed with like a certain breakfast or something and I ate it for months and months and then I'm like, I don't want to ever eat that again. So that's, <laughs> so that's probably what's happening with your kids is they're starting to food jack. So it's less about them being fussy going, I don't want it. It's more about like I have had these so many times, I, I'm just getting sick of it. And this happens across the board with all fussy eaters that even foods that they used to eat, they start rejecting because of those food jags. So there's a couple of things that you can do here. One is trying to, if you know, if your kids have only got limited variety of foods, what you want to do is try and serve the food even slightly differently if you can. So, you know, if you always cut a carrot as little batons, try and cut them in circles. If you serve the same eggs on toast at dinner, you could always say, you know, serve it at a different meal. So even if, you know, if you serve scoobal and eggs and you normally put, um, one kind of pasta try another kind of pasta so you're not changing the actual meal but you're changing how it looks and because that's your first step is not to make those food jags worse and then what you need to do is some of those steps I talked about earlier is that it's about starting to introduce those new foods back into their repertoire but again with that low expectation that they're going to eat it at first so always thinking about that considered not catered meal so serve you know the chicken nuggets and veggies and one other meal on the plate or maybe you just serve the chicken nuggets and a different kind of veggie so again always introduce new foods alongside foods that they may um, like so it's about sort of doing both and what's also important is is that remembering what we call the division of responsibility also something I did not come up with a dietitian called Ellen Satter in um, America did and you might have heard this before now I don't always love this in every situation but I feel like in this situation it works where it's like it's still your job to serve the meals that you want your child to eat it's their job whether to eat it or not and I feel like division of responsibility and considered not catered go beautifully together because if you've got a child that's really really fussy no matter how many times you serve a meal they're not going to eat it but if you know you're serving them some foods that they know they'll eat 
alongside introducing new foods in there, then it's their choice whether to eat the new food and they don't, definitely don't have to, but also they've got those foods that are comfortable for them. If they then reject the foods they were eating yesterday, that's when the division of responsibility comes in. That's when you're like, that's okay. You don't have to eat it. We'll serve it at a new meal. It's really important about being consistent. So trying to always expose them to new foods, eat together as a family, even if it's just one parent or one carer eating with them, modeling good behaviors. And like I've said before, never make a big, big deal about these new foods. It's there and what, you know, you can play with them. But again, it's not about your child taking a bite of those new foods. It's about getting them exposed and used to new foods in a, in a safe environment. This one comes from Jane on Facebook. She says, I have the fussiest four-year-old. He's great with fruit, but will not eat vegetables. Are there any magic tricks to help encourage him to try more veggies? I try to expose different vegetables on his plate each meal, one or two a meal, but he keeps refusing them. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the reality is it is about... Um, the same things that I've been talking about, it's really that same kind of um, mindset. But I think what I haven't talked about, and I think this is a good time to talk about, is that when I'm talking about things like considered not catered meals and division of responsibility, that's assuming that your child hasn't got other underlying reasons for fussy eaters. And really this same is going to be for all the questions that I get asked today and the same. What you need to do as a parent is think about what are the reasons they're fussy. And a lot of the time we don't talk about that. Everyone says it's a normal part of toddler development, which it is. And we also say that they'll grow out of it, which some do. But we also have to recognise that there are kids there who are fussy for other reasons. So a lot of it is about what is the reason your child is fussy? And if you've had a child who was fussy, say, with vegetables from an early age, have never eaten them, or they only like, say, beige foods, then where there's probably other reasons for them being fussy. You know, if there's someone who doesn't like um, the bitter components in, say, vegetables, then it could be the fact that they are a super taster. So that bitter flavour that we tolerate to them actually tastes really horrible. And that's actually a genetic, it's a evolutionary genetic trait it was a way to stop us back in caveman day eating poisonous food because that's bitter so if they're a super taster or really sensitive to bitter taste that the vegetables aren't going to taste great to them so if they've never eaten vegetables then that could be a reason for their vegetable hating ways or if they are someone who only likes foods of sort of certain color or texture it could be they have sensory processing disorders so again what we it's it what we need to look at is how long have they been fussy and if it's been since they were six months then we then it's always good to get you know it checked out to see what the other reasons but if your child if this is a new thing of rejecting certain foods and in most cases of kids rejecting veggies and this is new then those things that I have talked about before are the really important things which is that constant exposure but never forcing them to eat the food um because I think that's what, where we kind of go wrong. And a lot of the time what we want to do is not make their fussy eating worse. So it's trying to serve a variety of foods so they don't get the food jags. It's about that eating in front of the child so they sort of model good behaviour. And it's about constant exposure. But if your child has never liked vegetables, there could be something else going on. And I think that's really important to think about as a parent because one size does not fit all with fussy eating. Um, and what Jen, I know I've heard a few times that with that exposure, there's a certain amount of times that you 
need to do before you totally give up on a veggie, which at the time I used to poo-poo it and just go, are you kidding me? I'm not going to serve broccoli 26 times before I give up. But the truth is broccoli is my favorite vegetable. So I did do that mainly because I was okay eating it when they didn't. Mm. But um, ultimately they, they eat broccoli now. Like sometimes I have to tell them to eat it, but they'll still eat it. Is, is there something in that umpteen amounts of exposure that might tip them over in the end to eating a particular vegetable? Um, so the answer is yes and no. So they have done studies. Other way smarter people than me have done lots of studies looking at, I guess, toddlers and fussy eating. And we say the magic 20. I don't love saying the magic 20 because you're counted and then go, but they're not eating it. Um, but we do say that, con- and that's why I was talking about before, it's that constant exposure. If 20 works in your head, that's great. But again, showing a food once and then not doing it again for two weeks or three weeks is not constant exposure. It's about that um, toddler seeing that food but also not being afraid of um, food. You know, toddlers are naturally, I guess, scared of new foods when they're younger. It's just, again, another developmental phase. So it's about them getting comfortable with it. So, yes, there is definitely something there. They say 20-plus exposures. But, again, it has to be in a safe environment. So if those 20 exposures are you forcing them to have a bite of the food and then them gagging, that actually puts a step backwards because we're actually moving towards food aversion territory. So it's about exposure. It's about watching them, you as a parent, which is like what you said, Jeff, eating those foods. It's about them not being forced to eat it, but it's about being exposure. But the caveat to that is if you have a child who is a super taster, has sensory processing disorder, um, have poor oral motor skills, which I haven't really talked about, but if there are other reasons for their fussy eating, so if they've been fussy since day one, have never really eaten proper foods, then that 20 exposure is not going to work because we need to look at the underlying reason for their fussy eating um, first. But if you've got, a, like I said, a child who was sort of really good till about 12 to 18 months and then decided to never eat, then that's where the exposure and that 20 kind of comes in. And will that still work with a four-year-old? Because they're quite different to toddlers, aren't they? They definitely are. You know, we want to always set up um, these sort of behaviours early on. But the thing is, we, we sort of say that um, at around the 18 months to two years, about 50% of kids are fussy. By the age of five, about 10% are fussy. Um, so we definitely know fussy eating sort of improves over time. It's harder as they get older, but four is still fine. I mean, my kids have a really fussy phase like five and I know my nephew's going through that at the moment um so it's not that it's it's too late but it's more about the fact that it has to be in that safe environment but if there are signs of food aversions like where they're actually scared of the new foods then the the just exposing them to new foods is not going to work there's other things that have to be done we have a question from Marcus in Adelaide. He says, we have 18-month-old twins, a three-year-old and a six-year-old. The twins are epic eaters and will basically devour anything we put in front of them. The six-year-old is okay, but our three-year-old basically rejects anything that isn't beige and processed. How do I make sure I get food into the three-year-old without signaling to the other kids that they can reject what's on their plates in favour of the bland food their sibling is getting? Oh, yeah, this is tough. And the more the more kids there are, the harder it is because when one does it, they're like, well, why do I have to have the veggies when I want the processed food? I think this is an interesting one, though, and I think I want to sort of, before I give some um, thoughts, is that 
Here you've got four children. Granted, you've got 18-month-old twins who may not have quite hit that fussy eating. You've got four kids, in essence, in a family who would have been parented the same. I'm working on that assumption. Yet you've got one fussy eater and one not. And what I think that shows, and I know if that this is going to make parents feel better or worse, is that there is still a part of fussy eating that is genetic. We actually say fussy eating is 50% genetics, 50% sort of environmental. And that comes back to that stuff I was talking about, that some people are extra sensitive to, say, bitter flavours in food. And I said it's a, it's a, it's a you know, developmental, not development, it's an evolutionary thing. It's the same as there's probably people listening that hate coriander and some love coriander. I like coriander. Those who hate it and think it tastes like soap, that's a genetics, one little gene at play. So it's what it's, I just think it's really interesting to see that that it's not all environmental fussy eating. There is genetics, so feel free to you know always blame the other side for the genetics. <laughs> Happy for you guys to do that, whoever's listening. But again, that's really the, the, it's, I think it's a really important thing for parents sort of to understand. And again, for the three year old, it's that question of is this new or is this something that's been happening for a long time? And if it's been happening for a long time, if they've always been fussy from the age of six months then again, that genetics is probably really a play. There could be something else going on that you need to, to look at. Um, and so that makes it, it's hard, it's hard for me to give the sort of advice for me to not to know what's going on. But again, the reason for the love of the Bayesian processed foods is, I guess, for people to understand why kids get fussy in the first place. So if this three-year-old was starting to get fussy at about 18 months, it's because at 18 months, growth slows down. They are not hungry anymore because they're not growing anymore, but they have massive brain development. And the theory goes, still the science has got to catch up, but the theory goes is that when the brain is trying to teach them how to walk and talk and, you know, know about their environment, it shuts off their sensory systems. So food doesn't taste nice anymore. And that's where that love of kind of those bland processed foods come in because they're not craving flavours anymore because that sensory system doesn't work. So remember, fussy, um, eating is quite sensory. We taste, we smell, we even listen. Um, so you've got kids who are not hungry because they're not growing as much. You've got kids who are sensory systems, so food is like, uh, and you've got kids who are like, you know, trying to dig their heels in and want to have their own way. So you have a perfect storm of fussy eating. So the reality is, is for, in this case, is one trying to work out is the fussy eating behavioural or other reasons. And again, the advice that I have is the same as what I had before with if you think it's behavioural, which is the fact is maybe for your child, you serve one of these foods that you know they're going to like. And you know what? It's processed food and maybe the whole family has to have it for a short period of time. But they also need to be exposed to the new food so that the majority of food on the table is foods that you want them to eat and you want the rest of the family to eat so that there's not this distinction between the three-year-old and the 18-month-old and they don't learn sort of bad behaviours. You could even serve it in the middle of the table. And the thing will be is if the three-year-old says, like, I don't want it, it's like, we've like, it's like this is the food, you don't have to eat it, um, but there's no other food. But because you've served at least, you know, some foods, that you know they're going to eat, you're going to feel comfortable with that. So it's about, I think, in your case, serving a combo of both, um, but also thinking about why your three-year-old is fussy in the first place. The next question comes from Ella in Perth. She says, my son is four and has special needs. He has very limited food that foods that he likes, but I want to start slowly introducing new flavours and textures. How should I go about this? Yeah, so this is... Um, 
you know, this is, you know, we do this, see this a lot with kids with special needs with sort of lim- limited diets. And a lot of times it could be because there is a sensory processing um, issue. Um, so it could be if, the, you know, if a child is also doesn't like, um, you know, the feeling of clothes on their skin or they don't like to play in sand and stuff, that's quite a sensory um, processing issue. And then that that's why a lot of kids with special needs have fussy eating because of the sensory processing issue. Um, the thing about introducing new foods to anyone, whether they're at the extreme end of fussy eating or at the behavioural end, what we're trying to do is not make their fussy eating worse. What we're trying not to do is have them to the point that they start becoming aversive to food or scared of food. So when we're introducing new foods, parents often have this goal that when they put a new food on the table, they want their child to eat the food or in the very least have a taste of food. But when we are introducing new foods to fussy eaters, we have to actually have much more basic goals about what we're doing. Um, In that case, and what we talk about is that it's actually 32 steps to eating. You know, most of us who like food, we see the food, we eat it. I'm, I'm work from home now, I eat a lot of it. Um, but we, we just, we don't think about it. But there is a lot that's involved with getting a child to eat. So if you think about fussy eating as it takes 32 steps to get to the point where they're going to swallow a food, what you need to think about is, well, let's start with some of the early goals. So if you've got a child who, if you put a new food on the table, they have a meltdown. Um, that could be that they're really aversive. So your goal is for them to feel like they're comfortable with new foods and it might be putting that new food down the other end of the tray. Now, you might have a child who they're not scared of the new food that sits on the plate and they don't do anything with it, but they won't eat it. So maybe your goal is just to get them to touch it or play with it. Or if they're happy to play with it, then the goal is maybe to smell it or the goal could be to lick it. So what you're doing when introducing new foods is think about what is your child comfortable with the new foods and then go one little step. It could be playing with the food on the arm. It could be smelling it. It could be pushing it around. You know, if you've got a kid who's highly aversive, it might be they won't even do it unless they're touching it with tongs. So again, when you're introducing new foods to someone who's really, really fussy, it's to do it in a very safe way and never have the goal that they're going to eat the food. It's about introducing those new foods. And what you could do in this case is just have a tasting plate which is a weird name because you actually don't want them to taste it. But you have a plate in the middle of the table, which has got a new food. These are for the extreme fussy eaters. And what you might do is they're exposed to it. They might say you eat it. They might even see you play with it. You might start playing with food going, oh, look, it's a broccoli. It's a tree. It's going up my arm. It's like a car. Um, you know, you know, channel <laughs> your inner preschool teacher and, um, and play with the food. Now, your child might not even pick it up. But if you do that consistently, then they may get to the point where they pick it up. So always think when introducing new foods and flavours and textures, consistency, but don't aim for them to eat straight away because it can backfire on you. Okay. I think we've got time for one more question. This is from Katya on Facebook. She says, I can't stand the whining when my kids don't get what they want. For my own mental health, I give in and I know I'm fostering bad habits. Any tips on how to handle food resistance and not lose your mind? I'm with you, Katja. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually think, I feel like sometimes this is beyond my scope. It's, it's, we almost need, you know, some sort of other parenting experts on this one because I think that's one of the hardest things about um, fussy eating is the fact that we're all very busy and we're tired and we don't want to get to the end of the day and cook a meal and then the kids just whine and stuff. And then we go, okay, well, we just give in. And I, like, I understand that, you know, I'm a a working mum. So I know that it's really, really hard. I think what you've got to think about with 
with things like this is one also reflect on yourself what is it about your child that's really annoying you is it the whinging or is it the fact that you cooked the meal and they don't want to eat it or is it they're really you're really scared that they're going to be hungry and not sleep throughout the night have a bit like have some reflection about what it is because sometimes that will also help you to go okay how do i um uh deal with it so that's kind of the the first step with that Um, as far as the you know the whinging and things like that again what you need to think about with fussy eating is you're playing the long game of fussy eating or, or eating not the short game what the the things that the habits that get laid down early in life in the first few years of life are going to move into the long term and so what we're trying to do is not make their fussy eating worse and that's your goal and so what you need to think about is when you're yeah, like you said, when you give in, and this is no judgment from me in the slightest, but on those days that you give in and then you are angry at yourself for giving in, go, oh, wait a second, what am I teaching in the short term versus what I'm teaching in the long term? So go, okay, you know what? I want them to have good eating habits. I am going to sort of learn how I'm going to deal with the whinging and crying and make sure that you and whoever's living with you, if you do live with someone, are on the same page and that you back each other up. So what you could do is exactly what I've, I've said at mealtimes. Serve a combination of foods that you know they'll eat, even if it's just one food, a piece of bread or a bit of rice or something, along with those new foods, right? So you know they're always going to have something on the plate that they like. And then you have to have this mantra, which is you don't have to eat it, but there's no other foods tonight. And sometimes parents find that hard, which is why I always like to say, puts combination of foods on the plate that you know that they will eat with the foods that are new and it doesn't have to be the whole meal even if it's just one food because that's going to make you feel better as a parent going okay they've had something to eat but I'm still exposing them to new foods but I, I have a mantra and we still use it to the day when we're introducing new foods to my kids who are getting older is you don't have to eat it and that's what you need mm. to keep saying is but there's no other food and if you need uh, someone else to help you with that or you need to walk away, that's also good. But always say to yourself, I'm doing this. This meal is hard and I don't want to be here, but I'm doing it to help them with their eating habits in the long term. So what's your take on the way our parents raised us? Because uh, I don't remember ever being able to refuse my food. I remember a lot of... Um, comments about the Ethiopians and also I know it sounds terrible but also um eating everything on your plate but that was a thing and I still think I I approach my meals that way I find it very difficult even if I'm really full not to eat everything on my plate I'm not saying that we take those approaches with our kids but what was it that our parents did right that we more often than not ate what we were given yeah, that's an interesting one because also, though, it's good to reflect on those foods that you were for, forced to eat and have you now got an aversion? My mother may be watching oh, yes. this. Yes, yeah. Brussels sprouts. There I we go. Yeah, yeah, um, mashed potato. I can't eat. And I'm a pretty good eater, but there's like mashed potato. Uh, <laughs> sorry, mum, for tuna mornay. Um, <laughs> Apricot just, chicken. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I can't eat that. Um, and sorry, my mum probably is watching. Um but again, you've got to think about though, um, has, like, have you got food aversions from that sitting at the dinner being forced to eat it? And I think that was an old mentality. And I think it's probably, I don't ever recommend that because again, I think it can lead to food aversions and things like mm. that. I think we didn't have in our days, God, now I'm sounding old. We didn't have, I think, a lot as, as much processed foods around and processed foods are quite 
kind of easy to get addicted to. So I think we don't have that as an option. It's like kind of that or nothing. I think we can take a little bit from our parents, which is that kind of like you don't have to eat it, but we're not cooking you anything else. I think that's a good lesson to have. Not sure about the sitting there eating the whole time because I think it causes some other issues down the track as well as the um, not eating the plate. But it's interesting, Chef, because you reflecting on yourself going, I know that to this day I feel like we should all be cleaning our plates. It's about the mum who just asked before about, oh, like, why can't I handle the sort of them saying no, is reflecting on your own experiences with food and is that shaping some of your food I guess, biases now with your kids? Is it how you were raised, you want to do the complete opposite or because you need feel this need that they clean the plate because that's what you had, you know, drummed into you as, as a child? So I don't necessarily think they were the good ways of doing it. It's just the way it was done. I think there are things that we can take from that and I think that kind of not giving a 1,000 options because we didn't have a 1,000 options, but I think we're not taking all of them, um, yeah. which is the sitting there, until like 10 o'clock trying to clear that plate of yeah, the apricot, apricot chicken, chicken the yeah. tuna morning but thank you for cooking for us mums we, yes. we probably now wish she was still cooking for us oh, well she is I'm, I'm there on sunday night for dinner so yes <laughs> again if she's watching and my dad's also going but i love tuna morning i'm like they know i hate tuna morning now <laughs> I get it. I get it. Well, Jen, thank you so much for your time today. That was really helpful. And thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, We'll be back next week talking about discipline with toddlers with early childhood behavior expert, Stephanie Wicker. And if you have any questions for Stephanie, don't forget to add them to the Facebook helpline group. Links are below or in the notes of this episode. Thank you again, Jen. Thank you for having me. See you later. See ya. Bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.